Hello and welcome to Tomb or Tome, uh, a podcast of three siblings that all wrote during NaNoWriMo, and now we are going to be looking at the books we wrote, or we already have looked at the books we wrote, and now we're going to be discussing them with each other. In this podcast, we have read each other's books, like I read Ian and Liz's books, they have read mine and each other's, and we're just going to be saying what we like, what we don't like, and yada yada yada. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm Daryl, and my book is essentially about a guy that has to kill the king of the land in order to get the sun to keep moving, because the sun stopped moving and it's ravaging the oh land. Oh god, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Liz, and my book was going to be a horror anthology, but then as NaNoWriMo went on, I pretty much just did one book and focused on that, and it's about this guy that finds a spirit, and the spirit gives him a knife and tells him to sap the energy of other people in exchange for rewards, and yeah. Oh, I don't remember that either. <laughs> I, I mean, my book was called Spooky Wagon Ride. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's about a really spooky wagon ride that these people take one day from the city. <laughs> I like how you have more written than Liz, but you said less than yeah. Liz. It's a basic premise. Hey, um, well, I was going to say, say it. I, yeah, I was going to say, people meet in a town and then they get on a spooky wagon. That's pretty much all I wrote. That is pretty in much ten, In 10,000 words, that's all that happened. Yeah, so Liz wrote uh, 7,000 words. 7,700. Right, closer to 8,000 than not. And Ian wrote 10,000 words. And I ended up finishing Nano with 50,000 words. You won. You won Nano. One quick thing to clarify is that we all had characters that before we started writing were like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we all made up two characters to share between our stories each? So we're all going to have someone named Wyron, someone named Sahet, someone named Nettie and Anna and Tal and Clay. And oddly enough, we all had Horace, even though he was not one of the characters. Well, it's part of Wyron's backstory. Anyway. What did you guys think going back to your stories and rereading them now that it's been like 10 months since we sat down to write it? We'll start with you, Liz. Well, mine was in pieces because I was writing on all different laptops and phones, which is probably not the way to do nano. Wow, what a process. (laughs) No, you lost one day of writing, right? I did. But I actually ended up finding it later because it was like hidden away in some email I sent to myself from my phone. (laughs) Was it better than the stuff you wrote to replace it? Uh, The stuff I wrote to replace it was nothing. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, my story was, I hadn't really forgotten it. And looking back, it pretty much felt like I wasn't like, wow, that was good. Or wow, that was garbage. I was just like, yeah, that was a lot of nothing. A lot of eh. Kind of left it with apathy and came back to it with apathy. Exactly. I'm just like, eh. Mm, Wow. (laughs) What about you, Ian? When I went back to it, I was like, oh, this first chapter is really good. And for the second one, I'm like, what's going on here? (laughs) And I remember when I thought of it, I'm like, oh, man, I know exactly how it's going to start. And then after all, I'll just make it up as I go along. And then that's a lot how I thought it read. (laughs) And uh, for me, when I went back to it, it was like, I really finished Nano really disliking the book and not being happy with it. Whereas like reading it, my mood improved as I was, I mean, it still has all the issues that I stated at the end of Nano, but it's one of those things where you can see where it's like, oh, this is what the book does successfully instead of what it does stinkily. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like, my world is comprised of like seven different regions, six or seven different regions. 
and I felt like I made them all somewhat unique compared to each other. Like, the central idea behind the book is, for me, a strong and unique enough premise of, like, that he has to go from, like, this place to this place where it's, like, he starts off on an island, he goes to a farmland, then he goes to, like, a desert land. It's almost video game-like. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about it like that. But I tried to do stuff, it's, like, that they'd eat different foods, that there'd be different animals there. And one of the things I really liked is I fleshed out what each of the cities, like, how they were different from one another the capital cities where it's like this one's really big and then this one is just all metal and then this one's like half metal half wood mm-hmm. that was fun reading through that and being like oh the ideas i had here were interesting for me which was nice but it's still the book has like an infinite amount of problems that <laughs> i mean i don't know if it has that many it's just painful to try and think about where i would start editing and what the second draft yeah so now that we all kind of poo-pooed our book we're <laughs> yet again we're gonna flip it around yeah and instead we're gonna talk about what do we think the strengths of each other's stories are and we're gonna start with liz uh <laughs> guys guys what if we accidentally only made negative lists <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's that we'll get to the criticism portion after this the hard thing i feel like for me for liz is that my compliments I'd have to give to her are like just way more evident in the book she actually has for sale. I was them <laughs> and they were me. Which is like, you're good at writing things that are like unsettling and spooky, but this book isn't a good example of that as much as I was them is a really good example of that. Are you sure? I thought it was pretty creepy. When when he goes into that, like, the was it the tooth and nail? Was that yours? Yeah, the iron When he goes mm-hmm. in there, yeah, and that, like, just the way you described, like, the demon thing. I really didn't like how it made me feel reading about it. <laughs> That's good. It's, it's yeah, horns you... were really weird, and I was like, ugh. <laughs> its face was upside down. Yeah. Oh, and then, and then the, the, the stuff he was draining out of her, what was it? It was, like, orange? Like Yeah, orange chunky. Yeah, like a curdled orange slushy. I was like, ugh. <laughs> that was all really messed up. Yeah, Maybe tried. you're just, uh, you're hardened to it, D. Yeah, this is the other problem with Ian and Liz's books. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to keep I names. thought there were supposed to be positives. <laughs> they didn't finish their stories. Like, things don't come full circle where you're like, oh, this is such like a good reveal. This is such a... I mean, I technically didn't finish mine either. I just gave them a brief summary of what would happen. But when you're like reviewing a story like this, you get to a point where you're like, I want to see how they solve this or how this comes to fruition where there's someone like like tall in this story he's basically stabbing his girlfriend and draining her orange chunky ooze wounds Mm -hmm. but we don't get how liz writes how that ends that arc all we know is he keeps stabbing her and then the story ends and you're like okay yeah you're like so where was the story stops it doesn't end yeah yeah. So saying like a teacher, you could just go around to each of us and just be like, this is a good start. Keep it up. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like with Liz's other book, it shows so much more of her strength because she does have a beginning, middle, and end. And you can see, like, the way in which she uses things, creepy things that stick with her, and she puts it into stories. Whereas here, it really just feels like like she woke up from a dream. She's like, upside down head guy. <laughs> it's tells this guy go stab your oh. girlfriend and again I th- I, he gives him powers i think that's a little reductive I, I, <laughs> okay I thought it was pretty good yeah i mean i understand like if a book's not finished it's definitely hard to critique it which is like so i I'd, i'll go through things that i thought were i'm like ooh, i'm interested in this and i want to hear more which was you having the other perspective of the like daddy 
Yeah, the, like the demon hunter lady. Yeah, who was she was set up to fight against Tall at some point. Where she's like, oh, I, there's something evil going on and I have to find who's doing it. And Liz's main character, Tall, the guy that's stabbing his girlfriend, is obviously the evil one. Yeah, and because I, I remember you telling me that, that she was in the book. And then when I was reading the book and I got to that different perspective, I'm like... This is really weird. Tall's talking in like in a really weird way, and I was like, "Oh, this is not him," (laughs) which was like again a cool like realization. Like, "Oh, this is somebody else." And then it's like, "Well, who is this? What is this person doing?" Yeah. Yeah, and then when you find out that it's like like they're both on like their own missions, whereas Tall's is to like destroy people, hers is to find this new person that she senses, this evil person. Mm -hmm. I like that, and it shows a lot of promise. Like, oh, I can't wait until you know. She finds him, or I guess maybe he'll end up taking her out. Who knows? Yeah, they come face to face. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you feel like you had any strengths from the story? Or like, was there a part that you read and you're like, oh, this is cool? Mm, I mean, I do like Ian said. I pretty much only like how I wrote the demon. Like, I like his description, and then I like the way that he speaks. Yeah, I feel like that's like your passion <laughs> is just writing really unsettling things. Two, I feel like this gets back into like the criticism thing. I don't know whether or not to save it for that. Oh my goodness! It's, yeah, it's <laughs> just I, I feel I like need to criticize. You can, <laughs> it's like you can use a cooler phrase or like a more unsettling phrase than "child of carbon." Like in this world, there's all like these magical things, which is what the demon is, the spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of them refer to humans as child of carbon. So, for instance, in the beginning of the story, Tall meets a good, like, benevolent one who can't give him power because he senses trouble within Tall. So he's like, I can't give this to you, child of carbon. Mm -hmm. But then when he goes and he sees, like, the evil demon, and the evil demon refers to him as child of carbon, I was almost like, I wish that they maybe referred to them differently. Like the malevolent ones? Yeah, like maybe they refer to them as like child of flesh. Mm. Carbon's just like a very more scientific term, I feel. Yeah. But that also, that, that weirded me out because that almost makes it feel like we're getting into they're almost a weird like sciencey based demon like maybe they exist on a different plane. I like that because I'm like, well, what are they made of then? <laughs> If not carbon. <laughs> yeah, I know. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm trying to think of... There's not really too much else in my story that I was, like, really big on, pretty much. And then uh, I was essentially going to have... Uh, Eddie wasn't going to be able to save Anna in time, and essentially I would have him... As he's, like, draining her energy, he starts slowly transforming, and you can kind of see it a little bit in what I've written so far. And at the Mm -hmm. end, he would end up looking and transforming into that demon, and that demon would end up taking on a human form from what he gave it, and then it would walk away free, and he'd just be stuck in this demon form. Was he going to look like Tall, the demon? Yeah, I probably would have made him look like Tall. Because I think that could have been like a cool like reversal, where it's like, you really want our power? (laughs) I'll give it to you, nudge, nudge. Yeah, and then he's essentially just trapped in this burnt down warehouse forever mm-hmm. would he then become a demon too <laughs> yeah well i don't think he would have had power i think he would have just been stuck in its form oh i don't know i don't know this again just this book i just feel very apathetic <laughs> whoa one of the other things you had mentioned before that was kind of interesting to read that we had discussed in the podcast about what we're struggling with or what we want to do. And one of yours, Liz, is that you wanted to make Tall more sympathetic than he seemed in the book as he was like cutting into his girlfriend that he's not evil. He doesn't do it gleefully. He does express remorse. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. And 
I thought was really interesting reading it because I exactly saw your problem with reading the book. Where I was like, <laughs> he's just not sympathetic. Because anytime he gets to a point where he, like, he starts feeling remorse, like it immediately becomes like, but look at this cool power I have. Oh, this is great. Like I've been looking forward to this. Like Anna, his girlfriend, is almost a complete afterthought in this story. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's very clear. I'm like, I was reading it. I'm like, how does this guy even have a girlfriend if he does like not think of her at all? Like that would be something like if you were to work on it further. It's like I think if you wanted to play up the sad angle of it, he has to think about Anna and be like way more in love with her than he is currently. Yeah. I think that could do it. It's like, does he want to achieve his childhood dream or does he want to stay with his girlfriend? Sort of like the thing. It's like, should you go across the state and go have another job? Or do you want to stay at your home state with your like current girlfriend type of deal? Yeah, and that was the, that's another thing is that I originally thought up the story in the first place just based on the idea of like not being able to really control who you are, or what you do, and like causing people around you to suffer, but you don't want to, mm-hmm. you don't mean to, and I feel like that original idea was just lost in what I wrote, which is also probably why I'm kind of apathetic about it. It seems it yeah, seems like Tall really can... wants to. <laughs> Yeah. He wasn't like stumbling in anything. He's like, oh, I can't wait to get that power. <laughs> Just rubbing his hands yeah. together. I feel like when you had the beginning thing of that he was going to like bleed the cat with a knife to summon the spirit. Mm-hmm. Anytime you want to paint someone as bad, any harm against animals, it's like they can't come back from that. You're not going to have someone be like, I know he killed a cat, but I'm, I trust him. Like he's a, he's a good person down in his heart. Like, I think that was kind of, like, a damning <laughs> section. That's very true. It'd be interesting if, like, he tried, I don't know, like, if he made it, like, roadkill or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So he was, like, trying to see if he could, like, get away with not harming anything because he was very reluctant to. Yeah, and then that way you could show, like, the that he has this really strong drive to summon the spirits, but he's not willing to take the measure himself to murder something well, and that's why when he thinks like oh well you know anna's not gonna notice so it's not really yeah that she's bad. not gonna die from this but then when she yeah. starts dying and i guess that would be like the flip right where he's like i feel really bad but yeah yeah where he's like it, it's still like it's kind of worth it and then he can start like rationalizing terrible things to himself yeah that's about all true. her this is also like one of the downsides to like when i wrote i was them I wrote down what every chapter was going to be and like what I had in mind to write for that day. Whereas with this, I didn't write down anything, like no outlining. Yeah, and I feel like it shows itself in the Clay subplot where <laughs> uh, Tall meets this person that wrote a book about spirits that he's always idolized since a kid. <laughs> and it's like, it's such a quick section because he goes and meets him. And he's like, hey, I've been meeting with an evil spirit. And Clay's like, you should not meet with that evil spirit anymore. And then Tall's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, he, mur- he murders <laughs> him real quick. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny too because his justification is what if he is trying to get the power of the evil spirit and like he's trying to do stuff. Like I need to stop him before he stops me. And that's how he kills him. I'm like, this came out of nowhere and made Tall even more unsympathetic. And now he's murdering people out of like delusions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just attribute that to though. Like if the book had gone on longer, maybe that would have felt mm. not quite so sudden. Yeah. Like this is like more of a brief overview of the scene that he like he kills clay expects him or doesn't trust him yeah yeah and it was also just one of those things where like because of my living arrangement at the time like that was probably written well in between orders at work or something on my phone (laughs) (laughs) 
oh man i just need to get it done this is more structural but the interesting thing is because i've never really thought of writing in a short story format or like (laughs) a novella length and so there's like some things that i could say that might be criticisms but also I'm like, well, that just might be the format. Because a lot of it's like, like, oh, I don't really know who this tall guy is, or I don't know about his relationship mm. with his girlfriend. But I feel like with short stories, you're, you're, a lot of it's just kind of like given at face value, right? Like, oh, oh this yeah. Guy, this guy has a girlfriend, and they're like, okay, well, I just assume that they're in a good relationship then, because they're still together. Yeah, since I was going for a short story, I wasn't planning on making things too elaborate. Yeah, and it's kind of like caught between weird worlds with this, where, like, me too, I wanted to know more about, like, Tall and Anna, especially since it seems central to the story. But at that point, it was already, like, 7,000 words, and I could see you'd, like, easily doubling that amount and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what you wanted to do for this story, really, was being like, let me get into Tall's actual life and how he was raised, instead of being like, here's something really spooky that this guy goes and sees this demon that wants his body. Yeah. And it's like, do I even need you to, you know, expound upon the relationship when, again, it's just Mm -hmm. like, oh, they're in a good relationship, and then things start going real bad. Maybe I want more, but I don't need it to get the story across. Yeah. I almost wonder, Liz, whether or not the story could work even without Nettie and Tall. That it's just about him draining Anna. You mean Nettie and, and Clay? Nettie and Clay, yeah. Not <laughs> Tall. You can't remember. Just ask that main character. Yeah, the Clay thing felt, I can't remember what horror movie, but there's one where like in the middle of it, they're like, we need we need to get this occult specialist and they Skype with someone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, what you got here is a crazy <laughs> demon. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think I needed this guy to come in here just... 100% start telling you what's happening. I agree, but again, that was our premise going into this. Is yeah, that... work with each other's yeah. characters and yeah, stuff. That is true. Which it reminds me of like that we also made locations that we shared with each other, that that was a really bad idea because we had such wildly different locations. Yeah. Like the Liz's locations didn't even work with the era mine was set in, and Ian had so low supernatural stuff that he couldn't use either of my locations. Like, one of them was Hades, basically, or the River Styx. So it's like you can't really <laughs> use that when you're not, like, when it's a world based in more or less reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a shame because we did it because we're like, oh, this is fun. We get to see how each other uses our characters differently. Like, all of our talls are pretty different. All of our Wyrens are pretty different, although those didn't use Wyron in this story. Hey, hey, there were three sentences I sent you to read. <laughs> <laughs> that That's fun seeing that, but it doesn't work when you're like, all right, I need to sit down and write a story that's good to read on its own and that's not just like a fun fanfic-y type of thing to do with my uh, siblings. Which I feel like mm-hmm. was all, I think we all failed on that approach. We all should have been like, hey, mm-hmm. let's do a fun fanfic thing. Yeah. That's how it started. It's just, it's so difficult to reconcile that with the desire that we have to be taken seriously as writers instead of just like, oh yeah, I made like fun stories. It's like, no, like I want people to read it and be like, oh, these are the pros and cons. This is how you can turn it into an actual story. Also yeah. just because Nano takes up a whole month of your life. It's like you want to try and make something. Oh yeah. You want something to show for your efforts, which is why I was getting so crazed by the end of that yeah. experience because i'm like if this isn't good why am i still working <laughs> on it like why am i spending hours doing because it's fun <laughs> so moving on since we can't spend forever sitting here couldn't uh, we we're in our tombs <laughs> yeah, i know i'm already dead well we'll sleep for forever after this but we don't have forever to talk well that's a good way to think about death forever sleep <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what its death is called. <laughs> forever sleep. I like I like how Liz really wanted. It was like, oh yeah, forever sleep. Yeah, I'm a little sleepy. <laughs> so Ian, moving on to your spooky wagon. Oh no! Story. <laughs> it's literally, so spooky in this wagon. Literally in Google Docs called spooky wagon. <laughs> We're gonna talk about uh, your strengths and weaknesses of your story, and I will echo your sentiment that I read that first chapter and I was like. Wow, this, this he's really good at writing. Yeah, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like, Wait, really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I do. Because, like, I was reading through my story. I'm like, there's so much that needs fixing and writing here. And as I was reading through Ian's, I was like, he knows his stuff. Like, his prose is really accommodating. It's easy to read. You can get through a lot of it. It's really interesting. It tells a lot by not, like, telling it to where it's like, this is nutty. She's a big tall woman instead it's like it's all through actions yeah so descriptive it's a really strong first like impression of Sihu, his main character running around this town that they're all getting drunk and going out into the water to catch fish yeah and i like that you can slowly pick up little bits and pieces about the town and what it's like Mm -hmm. just as she's running through and observing things yeah and it, it keeps it moving while not feeling like you're sitting down and having to tell us everything that's going on yeah which is what i really liked about it it was one of those things where as i was reading it i was trying to think it's like i don't know what he really improves here other than like refer to see who's like benefactor the person she's being hired by to go around and like explore or document the land yeah that he's just like this mr something and that's all you really get into with him that's one of those things that were later yeah come up Mm -hmm. as always the first chapter i really don't even know i don't have any notes for anything to improve it was well, the really only good. Th- the only thing upon rereading it that I didn't like is uh, I would have Sihu be a little bit more of a person because it was a little bit too oh, much yeah. of her just running around, just being like, "Wait, what's going on? What's this thing?" Yeah, she's kind of just like reacting to stuff. It's hard because she's a good what is it called like a reader character? Or, uh... Yeah, or, or they're like a fish out of water, so they're always like, "Oh, I don't know what's going on. Explain everything to me and the reader." Yeah, the reader is meant to like associate with them and everything, so she doesn't need like a strong personality there. But I do agree that she should probably like have one if that was your goal is to make her more than just a a reader stand-in. Right, and that's where I feel like it would go from a good like facsimile for the reader to somebody who's actually like, oh, this is a good character who's also informing the reader. Yeah, where it's not just like she's a blank slate. Right, that's where it goes like from good to great. Yeah, because already it's like Nettie has a very strong impression and Tall does and Anna does and Clay does. Like they all very easily like this is who I am yeah. by just like walking around or just what they do. Like how how Anna approaches Sihu and like curtsies and everything. That she's just like a nice country bumpkin gal but also like and, vaguely high class as well yeah like a southern mm-hmm. bell type of yeah and they this big sweating burly woman <laughs> always drinking hooch <laughs> yeah. yeah what are you doing uh, wyron's the only other one that was like not as i mean he also came into the story at the very end of the chapter and it's just him putting telling the story or is he at the the hotel that they stop at no he's at the uh he's at the end he's the one when they finally get to the wagon wyron's there like getting stuff ready yeah and the biggest thing about him is that he's young right wyron because he has such like a tragic backstory i was kind of trying to keep him that was intentional i was trying to keep him very vague yeah he stays like furtive because right and you do more with him later and the kind of character he is is he is somebody who people completely pass over all the time and that's Mm. what his whole life has been is like really simple and everyone 
does exactly that. They're like, oh, that's, you know, he's just country guy. Like, yeah, he's a good kid. I don't know what else okay, to say so about him. I played right into your hand. Yes, <laughs> you did. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, so you can definitely see that, because the whole time I was planned in this book, I had all that beginning stuff super in my head, like planned out, like this and this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, it ends with the green X. And then, honestly, immediately after that, I'm like, okay, so to just go to a town... And then after that, they'll go to another town. Like, that that's all my outline is after that point. It's just town, 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 town. And then, oh, end of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you have, like, four chapters total. And, like, we, we were just talking about chapter one there. And the other three, I feel like, are not as well cemented. The other clear image in my head is her walking through, like, that dark forest, going to that one place with Anna holding onto her arm and talking to her about stuff. It really does become a lot more like a dialogue based as you have these characters like kind of just explain stuff to each other. Right, which I'm not to get jump ahead to your book, but I started falling into your trap, which is like, uh, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to have them talk about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, or like, I'm just going to, here's the backstory that I came up with because naturally this fills words. Yeah, and, and so when I got to that like town where it's just like wiring, explaining like the green X's and stuff, I'm like, oh, this is not very good. Because again, it's just him just be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And then, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, and then I put in a little bit like, you know, oh, Clay's arguing with someone. And then it gets right back to her being like, but what about this? And then he just explains a bunch of stuff at her face. And it's like, this is not the best. Yep. I don't know. I, I still like the rest of the book a lot. I just like, I feel like they feel slightly more rushed than the first chapter, but I still think it's really good. It shows I, I am 100% an outliner. I need an outline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way I need to do it is I need to have like a pretty solid outline. And then as I write it, I kind of let the characters be themselves as they move through my story beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Also, I, maybe I need to back off on the, uh, the tall stuff a little bit. <laughs> I, I felt like it was tastefully done that he's an abusive person, but you don't have like, I mean, if anything, it's that he is such a butthole that like, no one could like him if they read this book. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, 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 I got to back off on the butthole stuff and just have him be very, like, cold or short. And that's it. More like, a, like oh, he's a very, like, proper guy who thinks he's, like, you know, better than everyone. Sure. Not like, a, oh, this guy's, this guy's dark. This guy's bad news. <laughs> well, one of the things I was wondering is I was like, I don't even know why or how Anna and Tal got together. If he's, like, he's just rude to everybody all the time and doesn't enjoy anything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how does such a curmudgeon guy end up with her? Oh, you're getting... Like, that has to be an arranged marriage. Yeah, you're getting into Tal's backstory. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's a little bitter about a bunch of stuff wink <laughs> i like how with liz it was just like yeah i don't know i i don't know what i was really doing here and with ian it's like there's explanations for everything, everything. i just didn't get to it <laughs> yeah 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 it's a really interesting world and it's one of those things where like i i haven't read your other books but the fact that you're you said you're not going to work on this next kind of confuses me a little because i feel like you have a really strong start here and it wouldn't be too much longer to write, right? Like, how much more did you have left for Oh, I had a lot. Oh, okay. See, when we've recorded Tomb or Tome, I asked you, what do you have to do next? Like, after they're in this wagon, then you're like, just spooky stuff. That's it. I'm at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're reversing it, being like, no, I no, have plans. You know what? Are we really going to hold ourselves to the things we said at the very end of NaNo? Yeah, he was probably real yeah. sleepy. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and I was basically like, no, I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to hold you to it because I expected you to talk about stuff and you did not. You're just like, I'm at the end. I haven't read it yet. That's because I was like, this is an interesting writing exercise. <laughs> that doesn't mean I didn't have things planned. I was just like, uh, I was done with it. Hmm. I'm allowed to have ideas that I don't want to use anymore. It's some good stuff. It's just I don't know if that's the book I want to write. Oh, oh that boy. Was, that's my only sad part is that I really wish you had gotten to I- any of the creepy stuff because it would be interesting to see. Oh, like, Especially Liz wants to see the creepy stuff. Oh, and I want to see because I've read these horror stories and I obviously know mm. my own and I'm curious how you write. No. Oh. Man, I got a lot of creepy stories in my head. <laughs> you'll never know. Because he's never going to get around to writing. Nope. No. I'll deathbed give them to you. All right. So you're you're not le- you're not the type of person that you'd want to sit down and just get like a first draft down and then try and like uh, work off that. Like you'd rather have a really solid first draft of something. You know what? These are all really good questions because like that first book I wrote, even though I'm like again I'm like maybe twenty thousand words from the end of that book, which it, relatively it means I'm very close. Mm-hmm. Like when I go back and think about that book and go through it, I'm reading through and I'm like, all this needs to be rewritten. Mm. And since that one was loosely outlined and mostly discovery written, from what I've read, a lot of discovery writers need to do a very extensive rewrite once they see how everything's laid out. Yeah. And then when I did my uh, my other, my fantasy book with the cat, um, that one was almost completely discovery written. So it's like the same thing. So I... I really gotta, and then you saw how good the first chapter was. I need to, I need to outline. Yeah. And you'd prefer doing that than doing something like the cat book where it's like, I'll just discovery write a whole bunch of this and see like what my brain latches onto for cool ideas. Well, I mean, it, it was a good ex- Like, does that one, does that one need extensive rewriting? Like, uh, your first book? It does. So what, what I found out with that one was, is there's almost no plot happening. Hmm. And there's no like, like, oh, what's happening? What's what's everyone trying to do in this like fun story? It's just like crazy things happening that are like mildly humorous. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I mean, there are people that like those types of stories. Yeah. Yeah, there well, are. I guess I guess that's not like a story you can write. But I mean, even if you do like a like a hitch, well, I guess Hitchhiker's Guide is pretty. You know, there's not really a lot happening. It's just like, oh, and then we're gonna go to this crazy place, and this weird thing <laughs> happens. But I mean, I, I was thinking more like uh, like Terry Pratchett's Discworld series. Like those have a very strong through line, but they also have a lot of nonsense as well. Hmm. And that's what you want to try and like aim for. Yeah, I suppose the next question is just about getting you to actually sit down and outline yeah, these stories. That's... <laughs> Yeah. If we want to get into like real criticisms, it's like I just need to I need to do the work. <laughs> Gotta sit down. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's that way with everything. It's with art. It's with writing. It's with you know going out Making and mo- music, mowing yeah. the lawn. I just gotta do stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead of thinking about like, oh, if I just sit down and do it, it'll be so good or it'll get finished. Yeah. But it was definitely a good story, and like I, I'd like to see more. And I feel like more than me and Liz definitely. That you have a knack for writing sellable yeah, material. Yeah, like, for sure. As someone that is very critical of like a lot of things, I really think that you have a, a chance here to to make your own inroad. Yeah, I remember when I was reading the first chapter, I was like, this is like a real book. Well, thanks. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> so I was reading it, I'm like, how do I even get my writing to this level to where it feels this natural? Yeah. That was my fear. Oh, man. So, so this is going to be a wild tangent. So 
<laughs> I talk to our mom once a week because I'm a good boy. And uh, when I talk to her, she's like, they were talking about your book. And I was like, whoa, they're not supposed to be talking about it before the podcast. And I'm like, well, what did they say? And they're like, both of them say that you're a very good writer, which was like a very like mom thing to say. And I was like, yeah. well, that's yeah. nice. And then, and then she's like, they didn't know how you did it. And I'm like, well, I read a lot more than them. Yep. Yes. And she's like, oh, you think? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. I try to write like my favorite books that I've read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has informed a lot of the way that I write. Yeah, like how you structure sentences and how you go from like location to location. Whereas I feel like with me and Liz, we often get way too caught up in like the I verb. And then maybe you add like one thing that they like saw or stepped on. Yeah. And that's it. Like it feels way too like formulaic and it doesn't feel as exciting to read. Yeah, I really like just how all your people interact even. And when I was talking to Dee pre-podcast, I was talking about how I like how whenever someone's speaking, they're usually doing something else. Like they're picking something up, like a heavy thing of luggage and huffing as they're like yelling while doing it and Mm -hmm. things like that. And I'm... I'm not good at doing stuff like that. Again, like I could start like naming off books that uh, do that really well, like uh, The Lies of Locke Lamora. That whole book is nothing but like people moving through like, you know, this fantasy city and like, you know, doing crazy things and always talking and like planning and then looking around and describing the setting really quickly and then like a really funny conversation happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like very well paced. Yeah, and it gives all the characters like they just feel really real and it gives you can tell what type of a person they are either from like it, how they feel speaking. differentiated yeah which is like it gives strength to that adage where it's like if you want to be a good writer you have to be like a good reader too mm-hmm. or it's like liz and i are kind of just uh, hoping no one sees through our, our facade. Uh, disguise <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so from talking to her the only thing i would like suggest is like you guys should probably read some more books yeah. Yeah. Because like I feel like I did nothing that's extraordinary, really. Like as li- as nice as the compliments are, like I, it's not as good as those other books I've read, which are very good. Mm. Mm. So at least from the stuff that I've read, I would say yours is still fine. My more my concern more with you is seeing how things wrap up. That I have yet to see any finished story from you, so I can be like, oh, he's really good at like bringing these things back around or hinting, like foreshadowing events that happen. Instead, it's like this is all promising starts. Yep, that's also hard too because I feel like first draft. It's hard to fit a lot of that stuff in. Like the foreshadowing? Yeah, or like, oh, I'm going to say this now, and then this is going to tie in later. Or like, oh, this character thing, I'm hinting at the fact that this person, you know, is eventually going to go bad. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd really curious to read a full story of yours, too, just to see how it goes. Just personally, and this is just how I feel. I feel like <laughs> if you like that first chapter... I feel like I could do a whole book to that quality. So I think you could too. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've already proven, unless that was like a, a crazy fluke. fluke. <laughs> yeah, we read everything else and we're like, man, he is not good. <laughs> my, my, my eyes just unfocus. I'm like, what was that? What happened? Who wrote, who wrote all this? Wyron went to this place. Wyron went to that place. <laughs> That's all it is after. I'm like the spooky skeleton rose from the ground. He said, boo. <laughs> Like, wow, Ian really lost. I'm like, guys, was that spooky enough? (laughs) Should I add some blood on the skeleton's bones? 
All right, so this finally brings us to the longest book that we've had <laughs> to read. <laughs> Appropriately long, named. Long book called The Long Day, and it's my book. And what do you guys think my book did and didn't do well? Well, should I just go <laughs> like through a my bullet notes? point list? One of us took notes. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, so... For one, probably the thing that you typically do best, like Ian's really good at technically the actual Mm -hmm. writing, and then obviously I haven't read a full one of his stories yet, but you're always really good at coming up with really cool ideas. So the whole lore of the world (laughs) where it's built on like the bodies of two dead gods that battle each other. The lore is that two gods fought each other in the beginning because when they were birthed, uh, their mo- oh my god, he's already correcting <laughs> you. <laughs> the the mother they were birthed from, the great sea, she died, and one god blamed the other for their death, and they battled for a hundred years, and then they collapsed on top of each other, and one god went below the ocean and formed basically hell, and the other god, her back, became the world that everyone lives on right now. Yeah, and that's really neat. I- Hold on, I gotta jump into something real quick. <laughs> So this this is a crit- like a mild criticism. For the entire book, I could tell you just you thought the lore was so cool, which it is, and you just couldn't wait to yeah. tell it. <laughs> I mean, I just did it right here in this podcast. Right, you just did it. <laughs> and the, the thing with uh, fantasy books is some of the best ones, you get like four books in, which like for an audio book, because I listen to most of my books, is like 90 hours in before you're like, oh my god, this mm-hmm. is so cool. And so I'm sure the person in, you know, from minute one had this cool idea it's just you have to be patient and wait until an appropriate time to like let the cool okay. lore out yeah which uh, uh my rebuttal would be this was NaNoWriMo and I wanted to do this all in right. one book and I felt like weird coming up with all this background lore that they wouldn't ever talk about <laughs> yeah I don't know like like you don't need to know the lore of like you know what part of the god you were in if it comes out through the town and the people and the way they live mm-hmm. you know what I mean because, like, if you just name the place, like, I don't know, the foot, and then you say it's a dead god, you don't need to say that they live on the god's yeah. foot. It'll just be like the, I don't know, and then you just describe whatever happens. Like, oh, there's lots of fungus here. Oh, God. I don't know what a god yeah. foot Look at all cause. this toe cheese. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where, I, again, like, I'd have to rethink how I do stuff people are literally explaining to the main character because he doesn't know anything about this stuff they're like let me explain to you why these people think this way and why they act this way rather than just like showing that they act like this like there's the left side of the god and the right side of the god and the left side is like it's a destroyed and ravaged like swampy land like the ground is mushy and it's full yeah, isn't that yeah, the weaklands? they call it the weaklands but all the people that live there are very, like, stubborn, and they're very, not necessarily arrogant, but they're very territorial, and they just like living where they live. And it's because they believe that during the fight with the other god, the left side of the body was used to fight the other god the most, whereas the right side, like, wasn't. And so the left side got hit the most, and so that side became, like, the destroyed, like, the lands look bad, but it's the strongest side of the like the the entire world right i remember that from the book that they don't consider themselves yeah. weak at all yeah. yeah which is like now i'm just trying to think it's like all right how would i present that especially with them not saying that it was that side that fought the god i mean you 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 go to town and they say something and then one of the guys is like uh oh god i'm drawing a blank <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I looked out the window. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Are you a chum? Um, I, sometimes I am. I think I'm getting old. 
Make sure you cut all this out. <laughs> like like someone would, you, you know, you get in a fight or something like that, and someone's like, a, like true strength comes from the man who is hit and does not mm, fall to his knees okay. or something like that. And then you're like, oh, these, these dudes, you know, they take a great pride in their endurance in their fighting prowess yeah. or whatever. Not necessarily. Well, I like the lore. And then I like, too, how. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I need to clarify this. I like... <laughs> no. I, I like the lore, too, and any criticism I have is, like, most of the criticisms I would am going to get into, again, once Liz gets back to her notes, is <laughs> it's all because of Nano. Yep. And so I can tell it's basically just you almost outlining the world to us for the entire book. Yeah, you know which, I mean? which, because I had my outline of, like, he, uh, the main character and his entourage go to this place, then this place, then this place. I wanted him to visit all sides of the world, so I had different things to talk about. Because I was thinking, it's like, how do I do Nano? And the easiest way to do it is you have a lot of things you're excited to write about. So you're like, oh, it'd be cool to write, like, what would my, like, desert town look like in this world that's on the back of this dead god? Like, what would the people be like that had to live in this place that has like little to no vegetation and everything and that's militarized and that's what helped me get me through nano but at the same time I, now that you're mentioning my book is extremely like let me tell you the lore <laughs> and and it's almost like how you wish that i would finish a book so you could know it it's like i wish that i could read the book that's happening now in your fifty thousand outline of the lore of this world. but you did <laughs> But I mean, it was mostly just, again, it was just like this person walks here and then here's an explanation of like how cool the lore is I mean, for this place. Happen. And then like, like, I move the story along, I think. They do. Oh, here, I'll okay. get back into it because there's one scene I love that I'll talk about. But anyway, <laughs> back to you, Liz. Bye. Back to the notes. I had like one thing to say about the lore. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say that I like how it's just kind of dark and disturbing. Oh, man. Like, I feel like the one with the sea was really disturbing. Just how she was basically just left alone to weep and die. Oh, yeah. Since my story's based on, like, the uh, hero's journey, I tried to structure it around there. So I was trying to evoke a kind of, like, Greek myth aspect to it. And basically, the, the stars in the sky impregnate the sea. And then they're like, oh, we're going to go be stars now. So they leave her alone forever. And so she cries so much that that's what fills the world. And that that was the, yeah. the lore reasoning behind that. It, it was really good lore, too. Thank you. Like yeah, you, it's really even cool. though like as a book when somebody starts explaining something like uh what was the name of the the teacher who dies? Eurus. Yeah, as much as like Eurus was just like constantly just being like, "Hey, idiot, yeah. listen up." The stuff she was saying was really interesting. Thank you. Which brings me to my second note, which is that I really liked a lot of the characters and especially Eurus. I just thought that she was really well written and she was cool mm. and interesting. And then I actually, I like Sahet yes. as well, which I know you said that you do. Which Ian did not like Sahet. No. I, just, I don't necessarily like Sahet as a person, but I like the way she was written. I don't know. For, for those who don't know, Sahet is out of the seven capitals in the world. She's the queen of one capital, and she's extremely arrogant. But she has a really, just a strong personality. You wrote her well, where you can definitely tell what she's mm. like. And then I like, too, that uh, they get to that city, and they, they built it up slowly, where, like, the queen of that city came through on this parade, and they were talking about how beautiful she is, and she has to wear a mm -hmm. mask. And then they can't find Sahed anywhere, and they're like, where the heck is she? 
And then it's suddenly revealed that, surprise, she's the queen. Did he get you on that one? That she's he did. She I, I queen didn't of know. The city? Yes, you got me too. It wasn't until they get like a lot closer and you start like dropping heavier hints that I'm like, <gasps> which, which to me was, <laughs> I, bet that's I feel like I have so little like characters that when I introduce them, they become important later on kind of a thing. Like I, I, I feel like that story doesn't really be like hey here's this person that does nothing when i dropped that there was like this beautiful queen i'm like and one of the characters in here is like this beautiful woman that i have to use for all of our stories i felt like that was that's one thing that i try and like throw out more red herrings to be like who is Sahet? where is she type of deal i mean even as it is right now you got right me now. so yeah you got me too I thought it was nice. And I, I liked Dearest a lot, too. I was really sad when she ended up dying because I liked having her in the book and then she was just gone. But I know that had to happen for your following mm-hmm. the myth. I liked writing Yuris. I felt the same way, too. And then I wish it was clear, like, how Wyron met Yuris because I actually listened to it <laughs> twice. And on the second time, he vaguely mentioned her coming to the orphanage yeah. he lived in and, like, giving them milk. But other than that, it was like, does she live in this town? Like, why is this really cool moon guard living in this town? How do they know yeah. each other? Yeah, that, that is a good point. And see, that's something that I don't think I would have put in the book unless you mentioned it. But I'm like, wait a second. He, I should try and explain how she's related to these people more and everything. Yeah, and that was actually the only other thing I wrote is that uh, in regards to like how people have met is that it, Wyron's spirit Ix? How did he get Ix? I don't even know if spirits should be in the story or not or anything. <laughs> no, granted, I only listened to it once. I listened to it mm-hmm. at work. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't until about four-fifths of the way through that you finally said what Ix's, like, deal was. No. Because the whole time, I, you're like, because remember I, I said to you, I'm, I'm like, why do, Why doesn't he just eat spirits all the time? This guy sounds yeah. great. And they're like, oh, no, he can only eat so many. And then four-fifths of the way through, they're like, oh, he, he just had one. He's full now he can't eat another yet see i, I like, tried oh, to, i tried to do is. that in the beginning when i didn't exactly know what i was doing with x x is wyron spirit it's this big like tentacle like thing with a thousand like teeth in its mouth and it grabs other spirits that it sees and it devours them and then originally wyron could reach inside of x's mouth and take that power and use it only once so, for instance, I have early oh. on when he's fighting this, uh, like, mobster, Ix grabs this one spirit that can freeze people in place, and then Wyron stops another person by reaching in, taking that spirit's energy, and then paralyzing. And I never use it again because I'm like, I don't even know if I want to do that because then I have to start really thinking up cool ways to do this because i can't just have like you steal someone's power but only once type of deal and not use it Mm -hmm. so i i just for the rest of the book i just pretended he couldn't do that anymore (laughs) oh okay and said x x is really just used there to tell wyron if there's other spirits around and the other reason x felt off is because it's like a super evil power to have yeah and everyone else is like, oh, I, you know, I make money and stuff. Like, nice, normal, like, oh, I can see cool things with that. But this one is like, no, I just I just eat people's spirits. Deal with it. Yeah, the only other two things I had marked down about Ix was that, for one, it wasn't clear what relationship people have with spirits. Because in the first chapter, Wyron is just out cutting wood. And then suddenly Ix pulls on his pinky. And he just tells Ix to, like, go eat the spirit. find see, that this, spirit. This yeah. is me trying to take a page out of Ian's thing where I don't explain anything i just show you what this world's like where it's like i want to introduce spirits in a non-obtrusive way where it's just like wait what's happening where you have this like ethereal being going out and hunting this other thing i thought that was cool in the beginning 
Like, especially, like, the pinky tug, I'm like, what is going on? I thought the pinky, pinky tug was really cool. Yeah, I think the pinky tug's cool, Yeah, too. which is, that's something I wouldn't explain. Like, I'd just try and leave it to you to be like, oh, X pulls on Wyron's pinky when it senses a, there's a spirit about that it wants to eat. Yeah, it was just one of those things where it was like, so does he just go around murdering all these spirits all the time? Or how does he decide which ones which, Ix which can eat? Which I did eat? before I did this because Wyron's backstory is that Horus was killed by a fire spirit. That its power was that it lights you on fire. But this isn't like superhero stuff where it's like, now I'm immune. It's like, no, it lights you on fire. So uh, Horus wanted to be cool like Wyron and have a spirit. And so she, when she got one, she lit herself on fire and died as a child. And... Since then, Wyron basically allows Ix to just go and eat other spirits because he deems them to be evil. Oh, okay, that now makes way more sense. Which is why you're talking about them being, like, good things, but in this world, they're kind of not because they come from what these people perceive as hell. It's more that they don't really care, the the spirits. Like, they just want to come here and use their powers in this world. Well, why, why would any Lunarian then ever want to... Those are, those are humans in the world for <laughs> listeners. <laughs> for reference. Oh, okay. Why, why would anyone ever want to enter into a contract with one because of them? Because it, it allows you to do cool stuff. And it's, th- again, the spirits don't influence you, really. They don't say anything they want to do. They just allow, like, you command the spirits because all they want to do is use their power. Okay. So it's kind of like, oh, here, you know, if you have the ability to jump, like, 10 feet up into the air and have stronger legs, like, wouldn't you take that ability? I mean, I might yeah. choose a different one, but okay. <laughs> Uh, just now that I'm looking, like, I think all my criticisms are just, like, like my other one is, like, who is Toby to Wyron? It's just all very uh, vague relationships. Oh, I felt like Toby was a good one, because you could get that they're basically just, like, just pals. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just always want more history. Oh, now Liz wants more of the history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I actually have, why does the Elder stay cooped up in his house? <laughs> Which I don't think is important. No, because that's all from like chapter one, which chapter one's gone because that's all in the island that Wyron's at, which isn't important to the story at all. You see intrigue and mysteries everywhere. Which again was the problem where I'm like, I want to write this in one book, one like a hundred thousand word book. And it's so hard to differentiate all these areas, but to keep the plot moving and to also incorporate lore wherever I can. Like, yeah. it's like how you're saying, it's like, what is, like, Toby to them? How did he meet yours? It's like, this is all stuff that where I'm like, I'm just trying to think about how would I put that into the story, but do it in a brief way, because there's already so much more I have to get to and fix. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I agree with that, that approach to writing, though. Like, shouldn't it be, it should take as long as it takes to make it good? Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be brief. It should be. Yeah, it should be that. It's it just sh- that I didn't want to do that <laughs> with this book. Well, sure, because at that point, it's going to be like a 300,000-word book to hit all these areas and give every area and the people and in it the time. As I said were... in Tumor Tome, this book was a springboard for me for an actual fantasy world that I do want to work on and that I do want to give as much room and make as long as possible. Like, that's going to be obviously a multi-book series. I think you should do it. <laughs> work on that one or work on this one? <laughs> It doesn't sound like you want to finish this one, right? Kind of. Yeah. There's times where I'm like, you know, if I can make a sellable book, I, I there's enough here in this world. You know, I already have like so much of the, the framework laid out. Whereas the other book, again, is just like very basic skeletal stuff of like this character goes here and then fights this person. Whereas here, I already have who Wyron is, who Eurus is, who Sahed is, when he meets up with Nettie and Anna. But uh, like you have the plot points, but... 
My thing would be is it sounds like you actually have full character arcs planned out no. for your other book. I, I No? I thought you had like a bunch of like, oh, this person eventually is going to go bad yeah, and I then have, do this. I have the end point for each of them. I do not have – they. these people have more of a character arc, I would say, planned out. But I don't think they – like who actually goes through a character arc in this book? That's a good point. Wyron does. Yeah, Wyron Why, Does learns. he? Oh, yeah. I feel like Wyron does because of how he is at the end. That was another <laughs> one of my notes. <laughs> Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's just really sad how he starts out and he's so interested to go out and explore and he thinks it'll be such a fun adventure. And then slowly over time, just from having Eurus die and then at the end having Anna die and having all these dark things happen, then he returns home and it's just not the Mm -hmm. same because he's changed. Yeah, and he views like his his hometown like it's a lot smaller, which again, I I only wrote the, the chapter with him and Toby at the very end where i would do more to flesh out that he feels like it is really small these people are ignorant of things which is sad because in the beginning of the book just from listening to it twice he was so happy and like wide-eyed he loved his town and wanted to see the world yeah he, he's generally a very pot i mean i still feel like he is positive throughout the book but i i would try and flesh out more of like his journey like how he changes over it and how he perceives people differently yeah sure because i i like where he ended i just didn't feel the full arc yeah that he earned it yeah that where he got there like he he didn't i guess besides like everything that happened to him that was bad at the end he didn't really get disillusioned or like or disillusioned of the way that somebody who's going to take the mantle of the emperor would yeah which is again like another thing i need to work on because i didn't have character arcs planned i just as i was writing it i tried to see it go along and to your credit ian i don't think that they do have real like character arcs over time and stuff and just like stuff where it's like where anna starts like a bit abrasive i don't know i i liked anna yeah i liked anna too and i liked how um, her and Wyron's relationship developed and how at first he was really put off yeah. by her and then he slowly like developed admiration for who yeah, she was. Yeah, and that's something that like I'd really want to work on more is making their relationship a lot more like natural too. Because so far they have like one moment every chapter and she only joins them by basically chapter four mm-hmm. of eight. So that's like halfway through the book that she's like, hey. Yeah. Which again was like another problem is that Sahat comes in at like chapter like seven, she joins them. So it, it there's a lot of, or chapter six. It's, man, it's just a lot of problems. Well, but the weird thing is like the way, the way that Sahat actually fits in the story though is I don't, like she, she's not going to leave and go on an adventure with them, right? No, she does. Oh. Because again, I was, I was so, I was trying to fit everything to the idea where it's Wyron recruiting everyone's characters that we all made up and then going to the, the day spire, the place where the Lord of the Land lives, and then having to go fight him there. That I was gonna have her join up and fight with them. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, I I listed specifically that she gets killed by the Lord of the Land in the fight. Okay, did you say all that in your little thing at the end, where you're like, "This is gonna happen"? <laughs> yeah, this is gonna where happen. I summarize things. Oh, okay. Yeah. What you've written is apparently where in my mind the end of the book mm. is, which is she just like they all show up to her town and that's also where the Lord of the Land shows up and then everything goes down. Yeah, and then they take them back and then he's like, go into the flesh border and look for the vile one. Yeah, that would have been cool to read. And then another thing that you're good that you've always been good at is puzzles and stuff. And so of course the mm. riddles where you had to figure out Nettie's power and then do Sahet's trials. 
those were well written too those were cool you don't think those were like too long because those are pretty long sections of that story maybe netties but i I like sahats i don't think that was too long i thought Mm. it was interesting Uh, oh (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god everything i like (laughs) well no it's just that i feel very arbitrary that she's like i have answered me these riddles three and it's like why Like, why is she doing this to him? And it's one where, like, I'm like, because I know the context of the way you wrote it, which is a, the hero's Yeah, which journey. he has to be, like, puzzled and solve riddles. Tested. Right, right. I'm, I'm like, this makes sense if this is a traditional hero's journey story, but, like, in the, I was just like, why is she, why was she even testing him? It's because she plays with people. Like, that's her thing, is that she... But, but I mean, I, she literally plays with them. Like, I have games for you to play now. Prove to me. I guess. <laughs> she wanted to see if he was worthy. I, know, I thought that was odd. Especially because then, like, the end of it is basically like, lay with me. Yeah, that's that's how she ends it. It's because she's like, all right, now we sleep together and I get to see how you are in bed. <laughs> she's a punk. I like how poor Wyron is like, oh, I don't know, ma'am. He's like a little too, like, uh, I'm really not comfortable with You don't with think this. That, that was, like, believable that her character would put people through that kind of stuff she seemed to be like a person who would like do like mind gamey stuff or like not like actually put them through a game it was like game night at Sahets. Mm. maybe that's a little reductive <laughs> game night at Sahets. <laughs> Or they're like, oh god, are we doing that? Uh, was it the rose pe- yep. pu- puzzle or <laughs> rose was... riddle? Yeah, I thought they were interesting. We've already I... done this one. My favorite one was the the flagpole one. Any other points? I don't know. I have ones where I'm not sure if it's appropriate to talk about for the podcast. Like, there's one point where that fish is fighting them, and uh, it cuts, and he looks at Eurus, and she's like huddled on the floor of the boat, not mm-hmm. doing anything. And then he finishes up, and it never goes back to it. And it's like, is that just to imply that she's yeah. afraid of water? See, that's another thing. Like, I could, I'd need feedback on, and whether or not that is that point is made. Yeah, I couldn't tell if she had like fought that before and was having flashbacks. Or... She just, she just I really hates water because, like, her thing is she's a character that needs control and she has no control out on the sea mm. whereas like on the land it's like that's that's why she goes around and she fixes people's problems because she's like all right i'm gonna take control of the situation and solve it and that's why she's like so forceful with wiring all the time because she's like you need to listen to me this is my plan mm-hmm. and that's one thing that i like about my own story that i wish like i really wanted to get into more is what a like hole and gap that leaves when Eurus dies and that no one else has this plan like this was Eurus's plan and then she gets killed one third of the way through the story, and then they have to finish the plan. Yeah, not knowing all of the details that she had, and just having to trust that she was right. Yeah, and then I know throughout the podcast, you were saying basically that you felt like a lot of your book was exposition dumping yes. on people. And when I went through it, I actually didn't feel that way ever, except for when Clay was talking. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure why, but that was the only part of the book where I was bored and sort of was zoning bored. out. And I was like, man, <laughs> just the clay part. It went on for too long or I don't know. He was just talking Yeah, when, once while. clay gets introduced, he basically tells them, it's like, this city does this. This city does this. Instead of Wyron walking around and like seeing all this stuff himself, like I use clay literally just because he gets introduced when it was near the end of Nano, when I have like 10 or 15,000 words left. I'm like, here we go. Time to tell you a bunch of stuff about my lore. I mean, he did a good job doing that. <laughs> and then Tall was, he was interesting. He was kind of hard to get a read mm. on sometimes. 
I, I would say that's why I didn't find him oh, interesting. Oh, no? You di- couldn't get a personality out of him? I mean, it, in the beginning I did, and then for the rest of it, it was him just going from town to town and being like, what's going on here? You mean Wyron huh? or Tall? Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Wyron. Okay. Oh, no! Which one was Tall The villain. <laughs> Tall's the main villain. Oh, yeah, man, that, uh, this is positive. When he shows up to dinner and he's just, he's just super villaining at Sahet and Wyron at dinner. That was oh, really good. You mean out? <laughs> he does this outside the castle, and wait, didn't they go to a di- like a oh, dinner yeah, table? Oh yeah, that's that's after. Yeah, yeah that's end, yeah. when he's prepositioning them. That's like, hey, go to the flesh border and look for the vile one. Yeah, I really like that because he was saying a lot of like, like, don't you talk back to me? And it's like, yes, this guy's so evil. My yeah, my favorite part this shows how evil he is is when they first meet in the day spire. And he gives out his whole speech, and then he's like, "Okay, anyone who's here in five minutes is dead." <laughs> it's that like, was great Whoa. too because he'd say like something really inflammatory, and everyone would be like, "Grumble, grumble, grumble, grumble," and he's like, "And," and he just kept like laying it on thicker and thicker. <laughs> yeah, he did. It was just like, "Whoa, this guy, this guy gives no f's." In the the podcast, I was talking about having difficulty writing him because he only appears a few times. I need to make sure it's like you get a good grasp on who he is and what he wants, and then also writing his personality and having it fit with the story in that you understand everything even if he is very terse and doesn't like give anyone leeway because a lot of times in stories you have like villains that like they don't kill go and like kill the main character they're so arrogant they let the main character get away with doing stuff whereas i want tall to be very strict and him and yuris clash a lot because they're both very controlling people and Tall's big thing is basically mm-hmm. like hey i want what i want done so i'm gonna use the best of my ability to get it done and solved and I really wanted that to come across in the story, even though I struggled with, again, like trying to make him an interesting character and that like trying to reveal that he's been changed over time and that he doesn't want to see himself as a bad person. He still thinks he's doing all the right things. The only problem I had with with that is I kept thinking, like, why would they give this supervillain the job of Lord of the Land? Because this guy is a (laughs) supervillain. That's the thing is, like, I don't know how to describe the past story where Tall was fine. Like, he was very charismatic. He was, he had a lot of integrity. And a lot of people, like, felt pride in him for that. That they're like, he is the the future. Because when they elected him to Lord of the Land, he was like 18 or something. And here in the story, he's like Mm -hmm. four. Must have been some hard years in between, (laughs) huh? Well, he he has. I can't wait to be ever. And then... 20 years later, he's like, and then you'll all die if you don't leave in five In his head, it's literally the main villain of the story, which is an evil spirit, which is, again, why Ix eats these spirits is because they're evil. Yeah, that's why I couldn't get a good read on Tall either, and it's probably just because he was being influenced, because it's hard to tell... Because, like, when they're sitting down at that dinner at the end, he seems remorseful for having to have Eurus yeah, die. which he is. But then he's also extremely evil <laughs> all the time. I want a whole book of you just writing super villains at dinner, talking to, <laughs> talking to other people. And I also like how when he was doing his speech in the Day Spire, how you made. I think you said that like his blue eye was like twitching or didn't seem yeah. like. Yeah, I like that. It kind of showed that he wasn't quite on board with what he was yeah. doing. Tall has two different colored eyes: one blue, one yellow. And that was the influence of the vile one seeping out into, into his body. 
Yeah, that whole the whole vile one battle was also cool lore. Didn't you say something at one point like watch your mouth boy or something? I mean, a lot of people tell Wyron to watch his mouth boy, which is one of the things which is one of like the subtle character changes I wanted to do for him is in the beginning he gets very incensed by that cuz he's like I'm supposed to be the king of the land, you can't call me that. And he gets to a point where he just ignores it because he's like they clearly like he gets more confidence in himself. Mhm. No, but uh yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, sorry, sorry. I looked out the window again. I Liz... Looked out the window. No, I realized Liz might have more notes. Yeah, just basically the the, the Sesloff, the yeah. guy that ends up killing Eurus, that he was he was really weird when he first <laughs> met Ryrit. That he just kept he took him out to dinner and kept talking about women. Yeah, and... again, this is a thing where like I I put in this stuff. I'm like I need to do more of this later, and then Nana went on. I'm like f Nana, <laughs> f this book. Yeah. Because I was like, this guy's a creep, yeah. and then he shows up and ends up being really Yeah, evil. he's a womanizer, but the thing is, like, again, I could do, like, cool things where I show that Tall surrounds himself with people that are capable, but are corrupt or assholes. Like, that kind of thing, because he doesn't care, because all he cares about is going from start to finish. He wants what's done to get done, and Sisolov can do that even if he's a womanizer. Like, he doesn't care about the yeah. integrity of him. Whereas, like, the old moon guard was like, you know, you, you gotta be good people. We can't be having bad people in here. And Tall doesn't care about that. He's like, no, we need people to get things done. See, I, I feel like, and that would help when the, in the end, at the end of the book, when he's super, like, disillusioned with the way that things have turned out, it would help. Wyron? Yeah, Wyron. Did I just confuse Walt, Tall and Wyron again? <laughs> yes. I don't know why you can pay attention to this book if you're confusing the <laughs> main character with the main villain. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, like, and then when the vial... Yeah, Wyman sure got really bad. Did you even remember anything from the Corpse War, Ian? The Corpse War. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a minute here. As he control F's the Google document. (laughs) Corpse War. No, honestly, I do not remember Corpse War. (laughs) I mean, that, that's another thing where, again, like where you say, like, I need to, to seed in the lore a lot better to not make it so obvious. Where I'm like, I was trying to do that with the Corpse War since I didn't want to describe this giant battle that they had against the Vile One. But, like, I didn't know how to do that. I put it in a couple places, but since I guess I don't follow up on it, it doesn't remain memorable. I just said, like, five minutes ago. Uh, I mean, I that to was him. Because cool. I'm. I feel like you're more willing to pay attention to my story, whereas I feel like Ian might be more of like a casual uh, <laughs> listener. Like that that's why I should be aiming to make sure that he knows. Well again, I, I was listening to it at work yep. the entire time, so Yeah, and I listened to it twice. Yeah. And there were certain parts of your book where I was super invested and I was paying attention. Mm-hmm. And then it was a lot of the exposition y stuff that I kinda started to trail off on. Mm-hmm. But like my favorite scene in your entire book is when they finally meet Nettie and they're at her bar, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of, like, banter going on, and that was all super good. Hmm. And then for the rest of the book, I kept being like, why, why, we need more banter. Why isn't anyone having fun with each other anymore? And, and you had it in, but it would only be, like, a line. That's a good point. That, like, when I was reading back through the book, there were a lot of points where I'm like, these people are just kind of, like, not being nice to each other. And that is something that I'd have to fix as I go through yeah. it like it's so hard because it's like Eurus isn't necessarily like a fun character on her own well no but like again Eurus I thought was great I don't think you need to change your personality change that no no and you kind of need somebody to be the essentially the teacher to be like okay guys come on we got to get back to you know on task here mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was fine it's it's 
Because the rest of them were all being, like, really buddy and chummy. And you didn't like Wyron? Wyron. Uh, no, that wasn't... See, it might have sounded like I just said Wyron. Like, I'm like, who was that? <laughs> but I know who Wyron is. <laughs> no, the problem with Wyron is is the problem with all classic hero myth stories, which is the main character is just basically like, you know, what is it? Like, I go off and I become a man and I yeah. come back and I'm older and wiser. And it's like, that's really boring. Hmm. Like, what was his personality? In the beginning, he had like a really strong one. He's, he's like trying to like tell people, he's like, oh no, like, don't worry about this. So like, oh, I gotta, I'm gonna give these shade logs to these other people. Like, you know, screw you guy. I don't, I don't even want your money. But then as it goes along, he just was like, like, I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm the good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that uh, certain aspects of his personality were set up well for him being a ruler. Like how he was always really interested in all the other cultures and always really wanted to learn about them and mm. a lot more so than where he came from. Yeah, they had like a natural curiosity. Yeah. And then too, I like that a few times it's mentioned that he's illiterate. <laughs> I just oh, thought yeah. that was interesting <laughs> that, yeah. They're like, you can't even read. How could you be? But but when he was interested in those other things, did you actually believe that was him? Or did you believe that was, again, just like, uh, well, we need to do some exposition here? I felt like it was him because in the, just how it sets up him going in the journey in the beginning. And then when they first go to that place where they go with uh, Eurus and Toby that's like near Oh, them. yeah, Moonguard. Yeah, and when they first go there, he's really excited to go there and just look around. No, and- it's not Moonguard. It's Moon Sprint. The Moonguard's a different thing. <laughs> now, I don't know my story. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you're right, because every anytime he learns about a place, you can see he logics through a bunch of how the place is set up. Yeah. Yeah, th- that shows that he's interested. I mean, I, I could show, like, more... Because a lot of the times I found when he would go to a place, he would kind of be like, this is weird, I wouldn't want to live here. And I could do more stuff where he's like, this is fascinating, I would want to live here instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that I enjoyed was just how, uh, in the beginning, Eurus essentially tells him that they have, like, was it five people they have to find? Yeah. And they go to find two of them, and one guy, Tall's like, you can't come. You know what's making my memory so bad of this is I've, I've, I was just thinking, I've read five books since I read this book. Um. Yeah, that's going to affect it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For sure. And I'm like three hours at, from the end of a 26-hour one right now, so. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you just said Sesloth. I'm like, who is that? <laughs> what's, what's going on here? <laughs> what's a Sesloth? <laughs> it was the merchant that Wyron met that's like, hey, let's go get dinner at this place where you can only pick two seasonings at a time. Oh, the seasonings! The seasonings. How great was that? You, you could see the author's, like, real-life stuff coming through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he went to a place, and then they're like, they're like, oh, there's all these seasonings. And I'm like, who is honestly so interested in the seasonings? Oh, and, seasonings and I'm like, oh. The style that's cooked. Yes, yeah. it's, the, it's the author that's really interested in seasonings. <laughs> yeah, and when he got that plate, and it had a big bulb of garlic on it. <laughs> it's like, you gotta oh. write what you know! <laughs> Oh, you. <laughs> it's nano. I can't be spending time researching. What would be a good dish? My my uh, lore thing behind that restaurant is since it's a militarized city that they were in, it was back when they had to go on journeys. And after like hunting down a big game, they would cut up its parts and then they would all like share and spread around the meat. And each person would add a different seasoning to it because all they had was seasonings on their like pouches and stuff and so they carry on that tradition but they do it inside of like in a restaurant style that's cool which is why you don't get a say like you can't tell them not to put on seasonings because they're like when you're passing this food around at the the campfire and stuff people are gonna 
naturally put stuff on it that you don't want. It's about yeah. learning to like it, which is more That's more cool. lore I can't put in. No, it's okay. I'm sure uh, Clay will say something. <laughs> <laughs> about the seasonings is. It was really sad, too, that in your notes for like how the story would end that Anna is killed and then Wiring goes to talk to Nettie, her mother, mm-hmm. and say that she was basically killed because she like went along with him and she's just like all right get out yeah i, I hate you yeah yeah i thought that was really sad i was like oh yeah my that, that's God. something i have to expand on more and again like a lot of these ideas i put them in there because i'm like fascinated by the concepts basically what happens at the end of the story is that tall is holding a knife to anna's throat and is saying you just leave this tower and i'll like she can like walk away unharmed and stuff because i just want to escape i don't even want to rule the land anymore i just don't want to die and myron's like no this guy has to die though because we can't trust him since the vile ones inside of his head the violence in him yeah so he had to attack tall and tall slices anna's throat when he does that and i want to do that because i always get so upset reading all these superhero stories where again like they hold up the superhero's like girlfriend and they're like leave me alone or i'll kill her and then they find a way to like peacefully do it and here it's like to be the king of this land, you have to do things in which people are going to suffer, but you have to do it for a net benefit. Yeah. And it's like, I can't let you live because the vile one is too powerful. And so I have to let Anna die in order to have you die and hope that the outcome is better. And then Wyron having to deal with the fact that, of course, Anna's family would not be happy about that. Like, Nettie would have made the opposite choice, but she's not going to be the king of the land. Yeah. And it's more of that stuff, like with that story I really wanted to get into, is like the choices you have to make as a king, basically pissing other people off. I'm of two minds about that because everything you just said and everything you're talking about that, that all sounds really, really interesting and like something <laughs> I would wanna I would wanna read. But then the rest of the book is like stock standard hero's journey. Yeah. Yeah, you did kind of flip it on its head. Like, it gets really dark. Right, which is not how the hero's <laughs> journey ends. So it's like, I yeah. don't know why you're, like, limiting yourself for the first half of the book, where it's, like, it's just like, okay, we're going to get everyone together. And then all of a sudden, like, you know what I mean? It's like, I wish the rest of the book also explored interesting things and broke away. Like, didn't have to adhere to this super old thing. Yeah, that's what happens when you start, like, developing and working on the stories. I start off going, like, hero's journey. And as I write it, there's more of what I want starts coming through. And it, it's sad because that's the... I know it was like, this is an exercise for you to do. But that's the interesting stuff where I'm like, ooh, I want to hear about this. Remember, too, that, like, these are all ideas and it's different when you see it in execution, too. Sure. Where, like, I could be like, this was my goal all along. And then the book could be finishing could still be like i don't get that yeah like especially if i'm like oh i thought wyron was well written and then you're like no he wasn't though i'm not i'm not saying he wasn't well written yeah he he definitely didn't have a strong personality i think i mentioned it before but like of all the characters i wrote like main character wise i don't like him the most for my story because there's not enough of him there to like right to to make you interested in him Instead of the world. And that's why just like my book, like that's how I felt like Sahet was going down in mm-hmm. my book or Sihu is because she was starting to turn into your wire and which is just a, there's not enough person there yeah. to care about like everything that's happening to them. Yeah, which is the problem when you like you structure a book around all these things happening in the world and you're like, oh, and this place is like this and this place is like that, that they have to be so reactive and just absorb information rather than influencing yeah. the world by themselves. Yeah, so I really liked that bar scene a lot, and and hands down, like your your fight scenes, all of them were very good. 
Yeah, the fight scenes are always good. That's things where I'm like, I could make this better. Oh, that's that's great news then, because if it gets better, then it goes from very good to amazing. See, that I feel confident making better. The food stuff is where I'm like, I don't know how to like, talk about food <laughs> yeah. more. Yeah, an orange beet with sour sauce. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so after Tall has that thing, there's a fight outside when they try to leave, right? Because things are going real bad. Yeah, so what happens is they... A fight breaks out as soon as Tall's like, you leave or you die. Like, people start fighting, and then they run back to, like... Because Iris is like, we gotta pack our bags and leave. But little did she know that the generals, their next prerogative is to go murder Iris. And that's when you have, like, the fire general that turns into fire and jumps through the window and goes to fight her. Yeah, because all that stuff yep. was, like, super cool. I was, like, yep. down for that. I'm like, why isn't this happening more often? <laughs> why, aren't people, why aren't people constantly using their spirits? This is cool. Because I want to do it in which, if they use their spirits, people are, like, going to die. Because I want the battles to feel like they have, like, a weight to them. And sure. I just didn't mm-hmm. know how to do it in which Wyron would, like, live. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I don't know. I, I thought that was really cool. I was really into that. Hmm. Okay, so we we talked about my story for a while. The last question that I have for us is basically, do we think our projects, if we finish them, would be worth, like, pitching to editors? Like, is this stuff we can sell? Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing how kind of, like, simple that question is, because I think all three of us would be like, why would we write if not to be like... <laughs> This is sellable. Or like, like what what should we do to get it there, maybe? Yeah, maybe it's that. Like, what would we do? Mine would be to finish to it. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if Liz feels passionate enough about hers. No, I definitely don't think I would go back to this story. Hold on. Wait a minute. I thought this was the story that you said you had been planning on forever to be your next story you were going to write. I had been planning on forever for that central theme to be my next story but the story like the way that we made it where we have like we have to have all these locations and people and then i made it so big like having this counter mystery going on because i was trying to just fit words in for nano like all of that again nano rears its ugly head and corrupts the story (laughs) but to be fair the difference is we have something to sit here and talk about whereas every story that hasn't been influenced by nano doesn't exist for me (laughs) <laughs> like you guys haven't well, read yeah, a non-nano story by me that's why yeah. nano's like a sweet sweet horrible because <laughs> it like it ruins the stories but we can at least like see it's like what we need to work on and not whereas like non-nano like again i haven't done a novel that's not nano oriented because that helps me get it off the ground rather than just being like no wait there's i have such cool ideas just wait a moment just it'll come together it'll be really cool and then a year later you're like hold on no just keep on waiting one more minute <laughs> still in the same yep. place but when i sit down to write it oh baby you're all gonna oh, be God. jealous is your is your white beard <laughs> dangles <laughs> yeah and i'm like i'm dying next week okay <laughs> guess that oh, story's not getting but yeah I, d- I definitely wouldn't go back to my story except for like maybe taking the central theme i wanted and putting it into something else that's a crying shame i think i want <laughs> i wanted to read more of your book oh boy i just don't i feel like maybe you could split it into two different ideas because i really like the creepy dude in the factory the demon mm-hmm. i think Nettie and clay feel kind of unnecessary within that story 
But yeah. I think the, the, like, the main thing is about, like, him draining the life from his girlfriend, but doing it for what he thinks is a better cause is, like, it, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, it also just isn't uh, quite creepy enough. I know so little about your world, I'm not sure, like, what to be afraid of or not. Like, when he meets that spirit, I'm like, can even spirits be killed? Like, what what is, like, how does this world operate kind of a deal? Well, yeah, because, again, this is a short story, so I wasn't going whereas, for Yeah, whereas with your other story, I was them, it's takes place on an island it's kind of like modern-ish times and it's all about just this creepy monster that's going around abducting people and that the main character goes and meets it and that that immediately is so much more of like a gripping premise where i'm like she should not be doing this whereas with tall i'm like he should kind of not be talking to the spirit but do spirits like hurt people i don't even know yeah oh i thought it was pretty clear that there's some that hurt and some that don't, and he immediately went to try to go find one that was a good one. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's like benevolent ones and malevolent ones. I just didn't, like, I don't know if I felt like afraid for Tall himself. And I feel like that's central to kind of horror, is that you have to be like, something bad is going to happen to this person. I'm pretty sure talking to an upside-down-faced horned <laughs> thing and a burnt-out thing where a bunch of people died is not a good... Maybe, maybe that's just me. <laughs> That's the only thing is that I feel like all the scenes with the demon were spooky, but I feel like everything in between wasn't like building overwhelming dread. Mm. It was but, just. But isn't it? I don't know. Doesn't it help? Help it is because I don't know. You need some reprieve before you go back into the dark. Yeah, you do. I just. I. It's not as creepy as I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing yourself, like I can definitely see where you'd want it to be more creepy. Yeah. What about you, Ian? Ian. Yeah. Is this a finishable Who's, story? Are you going to work on the it? The sad thing is, is it is absolutely a finishable story. Mm-hmm. And the way I have it outlined in my brain, I think it would actually be a really good story. Mm-hmm. But I've got other things I'd rather work on. So. No. So it's sort of like, Liz, hey. your passion is dictating what you're going to write. Yeah. And also, like, you know, good ideas are a dime a dozen in my brain anyway. Do you anyway. think you'll ever finish it? Maybe. Are you, are you just going to give us the outline then? <laughs> so I can know what was going to happen. No, it's just, again, everyone dies at the end. I told oh, you that. But I want to know no, how You talked about a beast why. baby. Yeah, this beast baby before. Yeah, you talked about a beast baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. She would kill Tal because Tal would be being a jerk over trying to, like, like basically, like, no, we got to kill this beast baby. And then she would kill him because she's like, it's my baby. But why is it a beast baby? Because <laughs> there has to be consequences for you to get things you're not supposed to have. I'm sorry that you're barren, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Why are you yelling at your character? Yeah, you sound like you've been on the wagon. <laughs> because she's she's going out of her way to like go against the wishes of nature. She was born barren. I'm sorry. You're not supposed to make, you know creepy packs is that the theme of your story is don't make creepy packs that's the her theme anyway (laughs) i can have multiple (laughs) what happens to wyron why is his story sad wyron it would be uh because he's looking for horse would he would get what he wants but what he wants is not what he you know needed or like because it it would be like basically a demon would come with horse's face and be like come with me come with me and be like okay and so he'd be happy but he would 100 die yeah it's like a monkey's paw yeah or pet cemetery (laughs) yeah or like if you saw a a person you loved in a drowned water and they're like join me in here and they're like all right oh yeah yeah what about sihu does she even want anything sihu sihu would make it out alive i can't remember what i there was a reason why sihu would live but it was and nettie lives yeah but nettie's the evil one so of course nettie lives yeah she's the one that brings them on the journey yep well i knew that i just wasn't sure if she would if she'd get her comeuppance 
Oh, no, she'd make it out scot-free. Because this was supposed to be informing a larger world Yeah. for my other book. So it, it'd be one of those ones where, like, maybe one of the mid-tier enemies in my world would be there at the end of the book and be like, good job, Nettie. Ha, 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 ha. And you'd be like, who's this guy? <laughs> and then in, like, the real book series, you'd be like, oh, this guy's not even the big bad. Oh, my God. And then you said that Clay basically meets an eldritch being? I can't remember. How I had Clay. All I knew was at the end, I wanted him to basically refine his faith right before he dies. So he has kind of a good arc, mm. I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I, again, I, I haven't really thought his through. But no, I, I got other books I'd rather do. Mm. I, I mean, that makes me feel good because I feel like I could do my other books just as interesting and they, they're better in my mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Liz just wants to see how this one wraps up. Yeah, I'm sad. I'll never get to see its conclusion. And that's weird. It's, it's basically just one chapter. <laughs> interesting, though. I, I, like, I like creepy stories and this was going to be a long downhill ride. Yeah, it was. And now... The long... Today. <laughs> the long day wasn't ending. <laughs> <laughs> it truly wasn't. Are you going to say whether or not you're going to finish it? Me? I'm not going to finish yeah. the story. <laughs> no. Oh. You already see how much work I'd have to do. This is what I liked about this is that you guys finally get to see it's like how this story kind of just made me so upset over time. <laughs> yeah, you were getting really upset. Yeah. And the whole time I was like listening to it, I'm like, man, this this book needs a lot. Yeah, of editing and not, stuff. Not 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 even not necessarily even a lot changed, just a lot added. Yeah, and then I was thinking about like, okay, if I made it three different books, first book I guess I could have it end where Eurus dies and that they're on their own, and then the next book could end after they get like captured by tall and then the last book would be them trying to storm the day spire and stuff where tall lives yeah Uh, that's just a lot of writing but i could take it like slower with the world and everything where they could actually spend time interacting rather than being needed to be funneled from place to place to place Yes, that, that's what it really needs. It needs time to breathe. Yes, which which I definitely agree with. It starts in the beginning, like it has plenty of time to breathe because I'm just trying to establish like a writing style. And then it just it goes like full steam to uh, all of my directives, all of my places that it needs to be at. Yeah. And it's too on top of that, not knowing like if I can even write third person fantasy prose in a fluid way, in a way that doesn't feel like it's clunky. See, I think you can because that bar scene was really good. That was one scene out of 50,000 words. <laughs> I It was good, though. But that, unlike you, where I'm, like, I don't know if I can get to that level with my stuff. Like, everything else is more at, this is me writing naturally. Which is like, I do I want to spend 50,000 words combing over <laughs> trying to, like, uplift it to it, that? Or more? That was you writing naturally for Nano, though, right? No. No? That is more or less me writing naturally. Hmm. Yeah, I will. Like, I've read a, a lot of your books and short stories, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I want to say I did like this one, but I do think it was my least favorite of stuff you've written, probably. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a fair claim. I want the sisters. <laughs> You're not going to get them because I can't write like you, and that's what's probably going to stop me from writing that story. It's because I just can't write well i feel like you're george r R. martin right now (laughs) just write the book (laughs) oh and high fantasy takes a lot of work oh but it's so cool and those sisters sounded so cool 
And they had cool weapons. They did have cool weapons. Yeah, you are always good with coming up with awesome lore where you're like, oh which, my god. Which I feel like this is all just showing us what we're good at where it's just like, hey, I'm good at doing this and this and this. And then it's all about putting in the work to do it or coming up with a better idea. Like, I always feel like I have ideas. I just need to find a way to wrap them up in a shell that makes them palatable. Yeah. Which I feel like this book it's... didn't have that shell. And so it's like, I already have 50,000 words written. It's like, do I really want to work on it longer to get it to that place? Well, I think Liz said that it was pretty enjoyable, right? Or no? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I liked it enough to listen through it twice. And I was still, and I felt really bad for Wyron at the end. It was affecting. And I, I will say it, even though this is a first draft of an unfinished book <laughs> that you audio recorded for us in like a, a two days, it yes, it was by you. far not the worst audiobook I've ever listened to. <laughs> but and, and those and those are real books that people have up for I'm sale. I'm not looking forward. I like it, and this isn't the worst I've listened to. Worst, yeah. The goal is you want to be like, this is cool. I want to actually even promote it because it's so cool, and that I want other people to hear it. Rather than like, yeah. I'll talk about its main ideas because they're interesting to other people. Rather than like urging them to read it. There's a lot here that I would want to listen to. It's just it would take a lot of work, and I know you don't want to do the work. So that's why I'm kind of like writing it off as like a— It's not just that I don't want to do the work. It's that I don't think I'm capable of it. Oh, I think you are. Oh, to like to your standards? No, to bring it to to a place where it is palatable to other people. I think I would need to do like a lot more like independent research of reading other books and trying to reformat my own writing. See, I, I don't know if I agree with that because— I, you have a lot of parts in there that are like supernatural and sound like any other fantasy book I've read. It's just again, you like you hit these like things where like the exposition and the things the characters are doing and the dialogue are all really good, but then you keep hitting these like ruts of just just exposition or just a, them talking about again. Most of the talking is about exposition stuff, mm-hmm. and so it, you have like you know moments of brilliance in there that are exactly what you would want to be doing. So you can do it. It's just, I guess, but it, being more consistent. I, I feel like those, uh, I don't know. They're just so much harder to write, whereas the exposition, I, I write so much of that because that's what comes naturally to me, is doing that. I don't know. I'd rather have you work on the book that you are going to work on. So. <laughs> I'm Which, happy. to me, that book is <laughs> way this. easier to write because I, I get to write it in the, the voice of the main character, which I'm like, I know what her voice is. Yeah, and it's a lot more your style and then just thematically, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're still listening, which you probably aren't, uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, this is, this was quite an exhausting process, and this is what happens, like, whenever you write a book and you give it to someone, you really have to sit down and discuss, like, pros and cons of it. There's a lot of... <sighs> do, do you have anyone else you do this with? No. Either of you? No. No, I really wish I had had people to do this with for I was I don't them. know anyone else it's... that writes novels, I don't think. Yeah, and it's really helpful. Because I have a lot of people at work that I I don't necessarily show them my writing, but I talk about my ideas with them. See, but I feel like writing is where it gets into, like, the, the minutia that's necessary to talk about. Because, again, like, there's a lot of good ideas and things to be, like, cognizant of. Yeah, but if you can't write it out. If you both of you were like, wow, the long day was, like, so well written and so great and everything, maybe my opinion would be different on how I would feel. Because I feel like your mm-hmm. opinions on it, the ideas behind it, haven't changed from, like, when I talk to you about them. It's that 
my execution of it is what influences whether or not you think it's a good book or not. Yep. I feel like both are important because if I'm starting to tell someone something like that and they're like, well, why are they going to the city? And I'm like, huh, never thought yeah. of that. At least I didn't have to write it out before somebody's like, why is this person doing yeah, that? Yeah, that's a good point. That's true. I just know from talking to people at work, like whenever we're, because I have other burgeoning writers that I work with, but whenever I talk to them about their ideas, we go through a lot of like character motivation stuff or like, oh, this doesn't quite make sense. Like, why would this person be going? going to this city at this time Mm -hmm. yeah we can hash out a lot of that stuff just through talking about that stuff yeah it's really helpful see i I feel like it should be stages one is like i need to make sure that you know at least my character's motivations are like consistent throughout the entire book Mm -hmm. and they're not doing a bunch of crazy stuff and then if you want to actually talk about when things get written and like you know like again you know all this this area doesn't make sense or this line is weird or this person are they actually you know hiding in the boat because they're afraid of water like, that's, like, specific to the writing, not necessarily a large problem that you can't fix until after you've written 50,000 words. And you're like, oh, great, my main character didn't really have much to say for the entire book. Mm-hmm. And that would have been something we could have, you know, if just talking through it, I would have been like, make sure, you know, you keep your hero's journey person with something. I feel like it's weird, though, because, like, conceptually, I never get really disincentivized from writing. It's like, it's like, oh, this, like, this helps me form it, whereas I feel like writing is what is going to make or break whether or not I want to make a book, like, writing it. See, for me, it's, writing it doesn't even matter if what I'm writing is not thematically correct. Mm. Like, I need to make sure everything works together before i even go to sit down to write it Mm -hmm. because otherwise yeah like i said because that's what happened with my first book is i sat i had like pretty loose themes and i sat down to write it and now i'm 110,000 words into it and there's a bunch of stuff now that i go back i'm like man none of this is adding up and i wish i had thought this through a little bit more before i started this because now i'm gonna have to rewrite you know 50 60,000 words so when you're you're talking about rewriting your first book it's because it like thematically and like logically it doesn't add up not because the writing itself needs fixing no the writing itself does need fixing but that's way down the road i need to do multiple revisions mm. first i need to make sure the book itself makes sense before i even care about prose or anything like yeah. that and that, that's a whole separate pass i would have to do on that in the brandon sanderson stuff that i was watching he goes through i think he said eight or nine revisions mm. and so it's, it's like the first one is he does continuity second one he does prose and then he sends it off to be re- read by people then it comes back then he redoes continuity redoes prose and then he sends it off to his publisher and then when it comes back from his publisher he redoes continuity redoes prose and then finally does his copy edit to make sure the actual like you know sentence structure and everything's fine mm-hmm. so it, it's it's multiple iterations you have to do to <laughs> well the thing is is while everything is being done he's writing other books at the same time yeah beep <laughs> yeah he has other things <laughs> going on so that's been our podcast thanks for listening we're, we're waving to you from our yeah tombs. i don't know if we'll ever do a tumor tome thing again but maybe down the line we could have like Are you kidding it's september <laughs> see you in two months <laughs> but we will probably do nano revo again one day who knows i hope <laughs> I'll commit right now. No, we're not committing to anything. We're we're just gonna scream horse and leave it at that. <laughs> I, I've signed on the dotted line. Ready? Haugen Maunen Alpha der Heiter.